Hey, how goes it? Ken Bozak here to talk about Bitcoin and Bitcoin accessories. And today I'm with Rob McNeely of what was known as Original Crypto Coin is now UTSC. Rob, how goes it? It's T-U-S-C. Oh, there we go. T-U-S-C. I was practicing so, it in my head like 17 times before I even hit the live button. So I don't know how I managed to fumble that, but it's T-U-S-C. And, and and so there's a play on words. If you notice that the new logo, did you see the new logo? You got that there? I'll send it to you. No, I got the, uh, the original. The original, so, original. So the, so the new logo incorporates the elephant that's on your shirt now with the letters T-U-S-C. And it's a play on tusk, elephant tusk. But um, tusk stands for the universal settlement coin. So it's kind of like an acronym, but we really like the elephant thing. And the elephant was not our original OCC logo, but that was like a mascot that we adopted. Um, because so, and kind of a weird story, but with original crypto coin, many of our um, the token holders are actually in Indonesia. And in our group, there was like this inside joke that, you know, you shouldn't ride elephants because it's a kind of abusive to elephants. And so we made a rule in our telegram that you can't allow, you can't ride elephants. And so the elephant just kind of kept creeping out as like this mascot. And now it's our new logo. Okay. No, that's cool though. I like that. No, no riding elephants. Cause yeah, I mean, I'm pretty it's sure they don't enjoy having people on their back. No, I, I would say that's probably good advice for most things. Yeah. So uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, let everybody know who Rob McNeely is and what you do, and then we'll get more into what you do in the technical space. So, uh, well, day job. So I've been a serial entrepreneur for a long time, and I've exited a few small companies, had some good wins. Uh, the day job, I'm a forensic expert consultant in the construction industry. And that helps pay for the crypto projects because we, uh, as we talked, I think we talked about seven months ago when um, we were originally launching original crypto coin and we did not do any legal ICO. And so it's been like a bootstrap volunteer community project. Um, and so with OCC, we originally were developing like an educational token project. Um, but after, you know, a lot of months in the industry, we kind of see a need and we've learned a lot about the industry and we've decided to launch our own blockchain uh, and we're rebranding OCC as Tusk and then we'll be swapping over the tokens for the new coins. And we're going after a niche in the marketplace, which is the gun industry. Whoa, so we are, we, we are <laughs> we're, we're, putting guns on the blockchain. No, absolutely not. Actually, I'm the opposite. We're going to be we're developing a cryptocurrency focused on gun and gun retailers. So we're we're developing a crypto coin to be a coin for a currency. So we are going after the we're going after retailers. Oh, so and it's so, like a but, crypto backed by Smith and Wesson. <laughs> um, well, everything I do is backed by Smith and Wesson. Ooh, um, nice. But uh, it, but in this case, this you know, I've, um, man, we haven't talked in a while. So I've actually been speaking at conferences uh, a lot about what I feel is the problem why cryptos have not been mass adopted and what I think it's going to take to do mass adoption. And well, I think that's with, what we need right now because in this market, with all this despair and market price dropping, people don't understand that you know we have time to grow. We 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 have to grow, and you know, let us know like what 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 do you think it's going to take? Well, this is our, so mass adoption and why we're doing what we're doing. So. What I've been saying about mass adoption, and and by the way, if you're a Bitcoin maximalist, you'll hate me. So just start there. I am not a, I am not any one project maximalist. I own over 30 tokens in my portfolio in addition to my own. Okay. So just understand that I am not. I'm not. A, I don't have a dog in that fight. I, I think they understand that I'm not much of a maximalist um, I, myself. And that's why I like you, Ken, because um, <clears throat> I think maximalists, I think, actually impede adoption. And, and so I, I really think they hurt the industry more than help it. Um, but one of the things that I've said is, OK, and, and the, the maxis, I'll call them the maxis, um, what they fail to understand is that I think not. Let's start here. I think the best cryptos or the most successful cryptos in the future will be the ones that have the best marketing and sales teams. Yeah, now no, marketing's number one for sure. So, so think so, and I agree with you. So here, think about this though. Go look at the top fifty coins on any of the major trackers, and then go to their websites and then look at their team pages and 
Tell me what's missing from their structures or organizations. A lot of the time they it's don't marketing. Have they don't have business development people. They don't have sales people, and they don't have marketing people. And and you're talking some teams that have multi-billion dollar market caps. I'm not talking about Bitcoin. Bitcoin's kind of a different animal. But the ones that do have teams, right, um, they don't have any salespeople. And in fact, if you talk to a lot of them, they hate salespeople. They hate marketers. Bitcoin should just be adopted because of the right reason. I'm like, well, yeah, tell me how Linux desktop's doing, right? And so, um, so I said, look, one of the problems here is that just putting out a coin to be the coin to everybody is not going to work, right? Because you're making it harder for people. Using Bitcoin right now to transact is harder than dollars. It's harder than Venmo. It's harder than PayPal. And so if, if you want something, if you want to change people's behavior, right, you not only have to be just as good as the current, you know, current methodologies, the current behavior, the current systems are using, you have to be superior. And especially proof of work coins are actually inferior from a, a customer user experience for doing retail transactions. It just doesn't work. Um, and then the problem is, is that a lot of the cryptos that are trying to be currencies are trying to be the currencies to everybody. And to me, I don't view the world of crypto in the future that there'll be one crypto for the globe. I, I think that's a silly and un honestly dangerous uh, view of crypto. I'd much rather see 200 you know, atomic swapping cryptos out there competing because if you have one crypto in the world, the whole Bitcoin hash war right now or Bitcoin cash yep. hash war is a perfect example. What if you had one crypto running the entire economy of every country in the world right now? And they fork. And, then, and, and, and people like that start playing. So you're just going to have riots in the streets where people literally get killed, right? So to me, that's actually really dangerous because you have one point of failure when you have one, the maximalist view of one crypto. That's dangerous in my mind. To me, I'd rather see hundreds of independent blockchains that work together to form an economy. And I think one of the things that you have with these major projects, whether, you know, I'm not going to pay name names. I'm not here to diss on anybody. But if you look at a multi-billion dollar market cap project, they don't have a sales and marketing person anywhere in the organization. It tells me two things. One, they don't value that function in their organization. They don't value marketing. And two, that function or task isn't being performed by the organization. So I, I've had a retail store in my life. My, my wife and I, we own a retail store. So I know a lot about point of sale. I know a lot about interacting with retail customers and patients and all that. So that kind of informs my view. But think about this, okay? If I, I'm a retail store owner, and I don't care what industry, pick any industry. I'm a retail store owner, and I'm forward thinking, and I'm like, hey, I want to accept some of this cryptocurrency. Who do I call to come to my store and help me implement a point of sale that integrates with my cash register? So what you do is you just Google random people and hope you can trust somebody. Right, but here, here's the thing. So I'm also, that. let's just use for my hypothetical, right? I'm into social media and I go on Twitter to find the experts. Oh boy. <laughs> I land on crypto Twitter, right? I'm a retailer and I just want to accept, you know, something other than Venmo, right? I want to accept a crypto. And then I look at crypto Twitter just shitting all over everybody else. Um, and the and, most helpful so, person in the room is a cartoon chicken. Yeah, exactly. Or, or yeah, or some Pikachu or whatever it is. <laughs> exactly. So, so to me, but on the other hand, anybody who's um, set up an LLC in the last five years in any state in the country knows that within like two weeks of you setting up that LLC, the state sells that data to credit card company, and you literally have merchant processors banging on your door just stopping in to sell you credit card services, the hardware, the integration, the services, and everything. There is no analog for even online retailers or Re, you know, point of sale brick and mortar retailers right now that credit card industry has. And so to me, if you're going to compete and you want to eventually have this mass adoption, there needs to be that analog. You need to have a sales and marketing focus. You need to solve an actual problem. Right now, cryptos don't actually solve a problem for most people unless you're in Venezuela. Right. Really? It, it doesn't. In fact, you're making more work for people. You're making it harder to buy and sell and more expensive to buy and sell. So... Crypto adoption is not going to happen because most cryptos, and, and I would argue proof of work coins, don't work for small transactions in a retail environment online or brick and mortar. And on top of that, you don't have sales teams it's solving customer walking, holding, cus holding business owners' hands 
to walk them through the process of being able to accept it. And it's complicated. I've been in this space. I mean, I've, I've worked, been running a project now with the team for, um, you know, going on 11 months, 10 months. We started in New Year's Day. And trust me, it is complicated. And if and these business owners that are not as sophisticated don't have someone holding their hand, they're not going to do it. Um, and so I think so with Tusk, we're trying to address a couple of those issues. Um, what we're going to do is on top of that, we're not trying to be the crypto for everybody. I don't want to be the crypto for everybody. The, the beauty of crypto versus fiat currency is that you can tailor the crypto for a specific purpose, for a specific region, for a specific industry, or even a specific company. And dollars can't do that. And yet you talk to all these crypto people and they seem to miss the point that there, there can be cryptos for the hotel industry, you know, and, why not create cryptos for uh, you know for specific purposes? Um, so I, I, I kind of look at the world like a, a business guy, sales and marketing focus, and I say, okay, well, who has a problem with payments right now in the world? Like those are the people that. How do you solve? You know, Rite Aid doesn't have and Walmart. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. They they don't have problems with banking. Right. They don't have problems with marketing or, you know, you know, credit card transactions and, and payments. They don't have any problems with those things. They own those markets. Right. They they're they're fine. They don't have a problem. So how are you selling somebody a solution to a problem they don't have, which makes it harder for their customers to do business and cost them more money to actually transact? in? to me, that's just insanity thinking that that's going to do something. Um, and so to me, all that kind of prevents mass adoption. Um, so with us. I, I do believe that crypto is going to be is the now, but it's definitely going to be the future of payments. So I said, okay, let's create, uh, let's start on a blockchain. We're going with a delegated proof of stake uh, blockchain, which does compete with um, Visa-like speeds and transactions. Um, Maxis hate it, but fine. There's multiple multi-billion-dollar you know projects running on delegated proof of stake, and you know I, I think it's pretty proven at this point. Yeah, I had a guest um, on the other day. We talked about delegated proof of stake all day for like an hour. Well, you go look at the top 10, you got Tron, BitShare, Steemit, you know, EOS. Okay. It's not like you got small fries, you know, running these things. It's not fringe. I mean, it's pretty. Right. And even <laughs> Ethereum's striving for proof of stake. Right. I mean, it, it's it's not, it's good technology. It's, it, it is the future because it's fast and efficient and it can compete with existing payment methods. Whereas proof of work coins don't, I, I don't care. I mean, you can talk about lightning and all the other stuff and, and I hope they work. I mean, I'm not bashing on those projects, but those projects do not have a solution. So yet. what's your solution to this thing that Bitcoin doesn't have? It's marketing woes. Marketing. Well, I think it's marketing. I think so. What we decided to do is we're going to go after there's several industries that have problems with banking and payments and are needing um, alternative payment methods. So if you look at the big ones, uh, as you know, the, the pod industry is big. Yep. They have problems with banking. The sex industry, the porn industry, those have people have problems with banking. Um, refugees and immigrants have problems with banking. Um, Cross-border remittances have problems with banking. And the gun industry and the conservative world has problems with not only banking, but de being deplatformed. I didn't know that. So, Oh, yeah. You look at I mean, you can pick up different things. You look at the Gab thing that happened, you know, recently where Gab, that social media network got deplatformed. Um, Shopify, one of the largest uh, uh, shopping cart softwares over the summer, um, has actually been knocking off and knocking off gun retailers and gun accessory retailers from their shopping cart platform. Oh. And, and um, many gun major industries like uh, major banks are actually taking away credit card processing for actual gun retailers. Um, you look at, you know, so there is a huge problem in the concern. So they're forcing them to go cash only at the uh, register for guns. Yep. That's safe. That sounds real safe. Well, we're going to help them with that. So what we're doing is I'm a gun guy, Joe, and I support all those industries. But to me, um, one, I live in a more conservative state in Utah, and um, we I have a lot of connections to the gun world. And I'm a gun guy, so I mean, this isn't weird for me. I've been into the gun industry pretty heavily for my entire life. So it's a natural fit. Um, our crypto could be used for any industry, and maybe at some point it will be. But our focus is we're going to go after one niche. We want to be the cryptocurrency for that industry because that industry has a problem with banking. Um, I'm not going to say other industries couldn't use it, but we're going to be targeting our marketing and marketing efforts and our partnerships with that industry initially. Um, to that end, we got some amazing um, advisors coming on. 
um, during our process right now, we have nine developers on our team now. We haven't even built the website yet. It's it's going to be out in about a week and a half. New white papers coming out in about two weeks. Um, we're working on a roadmap, but we have nine devs now. Um, we have three advisors. We got some pretty major advisors coming on. I will say that. All I will say, I can't announce who the advisors are yet, but we're half our advisors are coming from the actual gun industry, not the crypto industry. But our crypto advisors, I will say this, that one of our crypto's advisors just launched a major blockchain that made, just recently got on Binance and just recently became a top 50 coin. And I'm not going to say who that lead developer is, but um, I'll say we're in Utah and maybe you can figure that out. Um, what companies are based in Utah, which projects are based in Utah. Um, but we have some really, we have an amazing team. I think we have 18 people on our team now. So we're like a big boy crypto and we're kicking butt. So um, we've already got two potential partnerships with the industry already in place. And I think we have three customers coming on board before we even launch. So we are focused on development. We should have a payment gateway for WooCommerce developed for Tusto coins before we even launch. And I think we we're going to be working on some other payment gateways as well. So we're we're coming. We're going to be. I'm guessing we're probably going to be. I don't want to give timelines, but we're we're hopefully you know first quarter of next year that we'll be launched, um, tested and launched, and have payment gateways ready to go. So our focus is uh, marketing. And our focus is getting users. And that's it. I don't care about hype. I don't care about what the speculative price is at this point. I only care about getting users and solving a problem for our industry. So what's the utility behind the token? How is this cryptocurrency utilizing blockchain technology to solve a problem? Well, it's not a token. It'll be a coin because we're going to be running our own. We're going to be running on our own blockchain. So uh, we are forking basically a graphene-based, which is the EOS-based blockchain. So it's already proven code-based. Um, but we are going to be the, the the novelty. There's nothing novel about the crypto. The 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 difference here is how we're placing our crypto in the market and how and what we're doing. I'm not trying. In fact, I'm going to be spending more time at conferences that are not in the crypto world. I am not selling our crypto to other crypto people. I'm selling our crypto as an alternative payment system for an industry that has a problem. And that's who our customer base is. And that's who our user base is going to be. If all you're doing is going around other crypto conferences, that means you're just selling a speculative asset to other people that might want to buy that speculative asset. Since I don't care about the speculative price and more bootstrapping, everybody on our team is a volunteer. We don't have any overhead. I don't need to go raise an ICO. And since we didn't do an ICO, we're not an illegal ICO. So I think we're in a sustainable position to, uh, I think, compete with the big boys. I would bet, and I can get into my opinions about where the market's going over the next two years, but I would say in two years we'll be a top 50 coin. I'm pretty convinced of that. So for this to work, it really sounds like you need to go to the supplier, not so much the distributor, right? Like the corner store selling guns doesn't really help their your coins economy if they accept Tusk and they have nothing to do with it after they've accepted it, except sell, liquidate it, sell it on the market. Um, I guess if we could get you know gun manufacturers to sell wholesale for a cryptocurrency then that would you know have like a full circle economy where maybe the employees yes. would get paid in tusk uh they would then buy guns with it and then the the the, the distributor could go to the supplier and get wholesale uh, probably at a discount for some you know because of ease of transfer of currency well one of the things i didn't mention is i actually used to have a retail store that actually used to sell uh tactical supplies ammunition and gun accessories so i actually have some connections to the industry already so again that's you why know, I christmas said it's kind is of coming up well we should talk <laughs> um so uh you are absolutely right and uh everything's baby steps this is going to be a multi-year process right we're going to have to stop what we're going to start with online commerce first because integrating crypto digital payments is easier with online than yep. it is with the retail side um i figure it's going to take us two years probably to start getting some you know foothold there um but yeah what you said everything we're focusing on is going through the entire ecosystem in one industry so if you're if so think about this way what's the problem with even the I'm, I'm not going to name names, but there's some of these universal crypto payment integrations out there, companies. And what do they do? They say, well, you can accept one of 500 crypto tokens if you put our plug-in on your website, right? But what are they not doing? They're not picking an industry. 
they're they're not focusing on like you're talking about the whole supply chain within an industry, which is necessary, because you're right. What you you called it right there. If you're not going through and having the ability for people to move tokens around within an ecosystem, you know, if you're saying I'm going to do a food truck this week at this one thing, and then I'm going to but. And then I'm going to go over and do a pot store next week. And I'm going to do this one cam girl over here. Well, there, there's you're not going to get anywhere because you're yeah, not building no synergy. There's no synergy. So with us, I don't care about And Again, it will work for any of those. Just like Bitcoin could work for any of those. Dash could work for any of those, right? I'm not dissing on any of those projects. I'm saying is you got to pick a market. Yeah. And you know what's <laughs> and, funny, and though? Like. What Bitcoin is incentivizing is other companies to, to build up under it and around right. it that do the marketing for it. You know, a lot of the payment processing companies out there, they, they you know, they're the marketing team for Bitcoin's POS because they are a POS, you know, like uh, I guess BitPay or Coinbase or whatever. They all have that. Um, Bitcoin, it's all of them. Yeah. And there's the credit card processors that are starting to come around like um Pond, Pondy X. I see a lot from uh, Shil Nye using Pondy X in Asia. Um, there's just there's a lot of different things that are being built up to, to try to do the marketing thing. I think Bitcoin does incentivize, um, you know, people to market for it. It doesn't need a marketing team itself, but it does help to have a niche and and, and specifically hit, you know, parts parts of different industries and all like um i'm a big fan of utility tokens it's just right now where the technology is at if you try to explain a utility token it starts to feel like that rick and morty scene where it's like slavery with a lot of extra steps yeah but, but that's that's you know explain the internet back when you had to unplug your landline to you know check your email and get off the internet to make a phone call like that's not that's just as cumbersome as we're at now with utility tokens atomic swaps changes all that it changes it all and then and to me the atomic swap just eliminates the whole maximalist view it does well, you, yeah there's no need yeah, for yeah. It. you don't need to be a maximalist and in fact you create a much more secure environment because you would have to tech because you could never take down 50 interoperating or interconnecting blockchains you could take down one. I absolutely believe, and and we'll see where things go here in another week. The way the market is, these proof of work coins need a minimal yeah. amount of, you know, the this is one of the. I, well, I miners think, are mining in the negative right now. I feel like they. Right? I feel like I, the universal cost for mining a bitcoin is about five thousand two hundred something like that. Yeah. So miners are mining in the negative, but which they've done in the past. I'm not. Oh, you know, the world's ending. Miners have mined negatively for months in the past for you know great gains the next following months of a winter there they're i don't think too many miners are worried right now but like you said as time goes forward you know it is proof of stake that starts to seem way more appealing right and and, and delegated proof of stake and and i understand the pros and cons i'm not here to debate a proof of work versus proof of stake versus dpos coins i'm not here to debate that you know my ultimate goal when picking i mean trust me we took we we kind of we we took some time off like when we were trying to figure out um what really got us deciding to do our own blockchain was when that F coin was spamming that F coin exchange was spamming the whole Ethereum blockchain. You remember that when they were doing this, like send us some tokens and it was, you know, back in June, July. And we realized that, you know, we don't control the blockchain and it could be spammed at any time. And we don't control the price of fees and the price of fees can spike or you know, plummet at any time just based on traffic and network congestion. And said you can't build a payment system on such inconsistencies. <clears throat> you know, it's like one day you could have like you know an Uber, you know Uber surge price, and now it's more expensive to move the tokens than it is to buy the tokens. And you know, it's like you know. So we started looking and said, you know, if we're going to do and make our tokens or our coins something that's going to be really useful from a utilitarian standpoint. We need to have some control on how we design our network um, to make it, you know, more possible that that crypto could be used for everyday retail, you know, transactions. And a lot of the proof of work coins just don't they don't offer that at this point. Are you worried about regulators uh, coming in and saying that, you know, uh, 
gun stores can't legally accept cryptocurrencies. Uh, they'd have to use, you know, traditional payment process because unfortunately, you know, these utility tokens do depend on regulations, even allowing the industries to adopt the technologies. Do you see any worries with that? Like as you move into this space? Um, I, I don't see that as a worry. Um, it's certainly a, a possibility, but for them to create that regulation would, uh, I think there'd be a lot of pushback because you can't just, I don't believe you can. Well, now's the time to try, right? I mean, the pushback right. would be minimal at 1%, 2% mass adoption. Right. And I think, you know, for the government to say that retail, like retailers in one industry have to, you know, use X types of payment systems. I'm not sure that's even legal for them to do it. I'm not saying they wouldn't try because government plays all sorts of games. But no, and they're trying their uh, best to really try to strangle down the gun industry where, you know, they're they're really well, I, I, they're strangling it and forcing these dark markets to appear. Right. And so to me, I think it's just like anything else. I mean, there's always risks. I mean, crypto is a risk. It is what it is. Let's say it's very high risk markets right now. And so and I, I would contend, the. I mean, look at where where we go, you know, where we're going right now with the ICO stuff. I think crypto is going to suck for a lot of people for two years. This So when we launched our crypto, I spent and I, and I posted this on Twitter the other day. I'm not an attorney, but I do work as an expert witness. So I know a lot about looking up laws and I know a lot about looking up regulations. And and before we launched OCC, um, I actually called the SEC and talked to one of their attorneys for an hour and a half one day. Just I wanted to learn and I learned all about offerings because I was originally looking and interested in, in learning about doing an ICO. We thought about doing an ICO. That OCC was originally an experiment. They got legs. <laughs> um, and when we started looking at it, I said, you know what? We, and, and I basically came to the conclusion that the SEC has now come to is that most ICOs are illegal securities. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm saying is, but if your project, you know, um, anytime you have a startup, a, a good startup is going to try to mitigate and at least evaluate the risks and legal compliance is a huge risk for a lot of industries. I don't care if it's the environmental industry, the gun industry, there's all sorts of compliance issues. And when I spent just you know a couple weeks doing research and figured out, and I came to the conclusion, I talked to lawyers and lawyers gave, you know, were giving me these you know stories about utility tokens. And I'm like, you know, I'm looking at the legal law right here. Look back to the 1934 you know, Securities Act and things like that. And I go and look at case law precedents um, it's pretty obvious to me that these are illegal, okay? Um, and I go, we can't do an ICO. Here's another thing that, and and I and we, you know, you can actually give away tokens, and that can still be an illegal security too. So this is the one thing lawyers, I know security lawyers that didn't know this, um, but um, back in the dot com, um, back in the day where people were doing dot com, basically initial public offerings, they were doing free stock giveaways back then like free coin giveaways and oh guess what? really they were they were doing those airdrops of stocks so, i didn't know that guess what the sec actually prosecuted successfully for internet companies for free stock giveaways oh yeah and i looked this up too by the way because i said what's the analog to giving away free crypto well guess what what was happening is these internet companies were collecting personal information to build lead gen databases, so email right. addresses. And I, they yeah. were doing and I've talked what? to attorneys in this space, and they, they've told me if you're doing an ICO and you're collecting emails, it, you might as well be selling the token. Right, because – and this is, that came from the dot-com boom. And I've only met one attorney in the security space that even heard about the free stock giveaway stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm not an attorney, but I looked this up. Why didn't you, okay? So I've talked to a lot of attorneys, and I'm like, they don't even know this space. And so I said, okay. So um, what's happening is the, the SEC – and maybe the SEC today doesn't even remember it – but the SEC at those times said – giving over personalized information that can be used for marketing is considered the number one point of the Howey test, an investment of money. Now, I think that's a stretch personally, but they said that you're giving over something valuable. So if you're giving something in kind, it's still an investment of money. So when we did our airdrop, we just, we did our DAP. So we didn't collect any personalized information either when we launched OCC. So I don't, the only reason I know that some of our tokens went to Indonesia is we're just looking at the Google analytics of where people were hitting our airdrop from. 
um, you know, our DAP from. So I never collected any information. So as far as the way we launched OCC, we never sold a single token, not once. And then on top of that, we didn't collect any personal information. So, and we also never, ever, ever, ever hyped. In fact, on our Telegram, we posted in the rules, this is not an investment. It'll probably never go up in value. And people got pissed at us about that. They're like, why would you not want this to go up in value? And I'm like, because I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> right. But so we did distribute our token in a way that we felt um, even against advice of attorneys that said, well, maybe your utility token. And I'm like, nope, that doesn't exist. That's a made up term. Um, SEC doesn't recognize that term and it doesn't mean anything legally. And so I'm not going to try to play that game because it doesn't fit existing law frame legal framework. Right. It it's, may be potential upcoming, maybe hypothetical. But yeah, why why prepare for something that doesn't exist? Why not right. work right now with what you got? I like that. You know, a lot of people I talk to tie their own hands behind their back because of that. Yeah, and you know, and this is the thing is like I, I we were in. I didn't even hire an attorney <laughs> when we launched. But like I, I have a lot of attorney friends because I work in the legal industry, so I talk to a lot of attorneys. You know, courtesy and 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 these people are like, well, if you want us to help you launch and give you advice, fifty grand and. Uh, then we got to spend three weeks learning and research. I'm like, well, I can go learn and research the same crap you're looking up. <laughs> so, um, but then I called the SEC and the, basically the SEC is read these things. I'm like, I read those things. They're like, well, do you think you fall in those? I'm like, actually, I don't think I do. Um, so we, we never hyped, we never sold. And by the way, we created, instead of hyping something and taking people's money that didn't turn into something, which is what a lot of ICOs did, we actually created something that didn't hype it and it created value for people for nothing. And so I feel pretty good about that, that we gave away something that is creating value for people. Um, but I think from the project perspective, um, we, we've given a lot of thought to being sustainable and, and mitigating the legal risks. And so I think, you know, we're well poised to be just a digital commodity like Bitcoin. We're a community project and we're morphing even more so to be a community project with the new launch. <clears throat> Uh, somebody just asked in the comment section, is OCC coin on coin market cap? They just looked it up and wanted to make sure that was the right one. No, that's the Octone coin. We're actually not on CMC. We have applied a bunch of times, but we can be tracked. That might be on your end. Wow. Okay. There you go. Know. Uh, I don't live next to an airport. Weird. Um, so you can track us on um, CoinGecko, CoinCodents, uh, Codex, and Coin Library. Where is it so, traded? Uh, it's traded on nine exchanges right now. So Fork Delta, DDEX, and Mercatox are the three most active markets right now. And anybody holding the OCC is going to be able to swap it for Tusk. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, um, uh, yeah, we're gonna. We don't have a timeline on when that's gonna be. A, probably a couple months, um, but we're gonna be open for probably. We're gonna have a window open for about thirty days, and we're gonna run ads and everything. So we, you know, and in fact, the way we're gonna, we're planning on doing it. If we can do it technologically, we're just gonna do a DAP. So people will download a wallet for Tusk, send their OCC tokens, and boom, it'll just be swapped out automatically. So we're not. Is gonna OCC use any gonna be considered a dead project, or is this okay? So why not just do like a Tusk airdrop? on OCC holders? Um, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, we wanted to honor the original community. So we wanted to make sure that the people, even though we gave OCC away originally, a mm -hmm. lot of people have bought them. I mean, that's just oh, how true, it is. True. So we wanted to make sure that we we honored our community and we wanted to grow our existing community. We've had a really good support. We I think we have over 13,000 people on our Twitter. We have over 6,000 people on our Telegram. So to us, you know, the community has been there from day one. And we wanted to honor that. And to us, I mean, we, we were just saying that OCC is not really dead. It's just we're transforming and evolving it. And so, um, you know, like uh, Rybrox became Nano, right? You know, so to us, it was just, it's, you know, we got most of the same original team members. We've just tripled the size of the team now um, with this new direction. Um, and one of the things that we originally were doing with OCC was education. And so part of that is we're doing an educational conference every year. By the way, you're invited um, March 1st and 2nd. And so Tusk is still going to run that and OCC is still going to do the education stuff, meaning that we're still putting out really good uh, educational content every month. We're going to keep doing that because it's it's good for the community. But we're doing a, a conference every year called Off Chain, and it's Off Chain Events, 
and we're actually just about to launch the call for speakers, but we've already reserved the venue. So it's uh, March 1, 2, uh, March 1st and 2nd of 2019 uh, here in Salt Lake. So it's going to be limited to 250 people. No ICO pitches, straight up community learning. We're going to be trying to do a retailer track where we bring retailers in to teach them about crypto. Um, and so we're still going to do um, a lot of the original uh, educational pieces. We're not stopping that. Um, but we're now creating a project and morphing the project into something that I think can get mass adoption. Hmm. I'm going to have to check my calendar, man, because uh, I actually think my girl would be interested in that conference, too. She has friends out there. So it'd be cool to get out there and check it yeah. out. Free tickets. So you just let me know when. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, uh, do you have a couch I could crash on? Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, you know, it's funny, though. I downloaded this app called Couch Surfer, and uh -huh. it's, it's for people that just like travel randomly and want to crash with people like on their couch. Like, it's like a free Airbnb kind of thing. It's like frugal as hell. I used it a couple times traveling. I got four kids, so they would jump on top in the morning. <laughs> uh, but we could certainly talk about that. We could find a place for you. Sure. Oh, that's just, that was just but, funny, man. But yeah, dude, so uh, so what you were really talking about is like the the woes of marketing for, for these coins. Uh, I was wondering, like, you know, do you have like a, a, a little, you know, teaser plan that you can kind of give to other companies or, or let the audience know like how you're going to be targeting your marketing for Tusk? Uh, partnership. So number one, like uh, I think the initial thing is getting people on board. So the, the first strategic partners, um, we're, we're making it worth their while. So we have a, a little bit of tokens that were held back for this purpose. I call it the biz dev fund. So some of our initial um, partners will actually become partners. Like they will benefit if the token goes up, but they get a little bit of token holdings for taking the risk. Um, the second thing we're offering is we're going to market them. So um, as part of building out your own coin, you, we're building out our own block explorer and our own website. And so specifically on those individual websites, we're going to be promoting the people that use our projects or, or use our coins in there. You know, so the the benefit. So this is my sales pitch. <clears throat> Say you're a, a gun accessory retail. Here's the pitch. I'll give you some tokens for taking the risk with us. We'll do the integration for you and help you set it up. We'll hold your hand um, and then we're going to help market the heck out of you and it costs you nothing. Seems like a pretty good sales pitch, and yeah, so free some tokens, and so at least for the initial, um, you know, I guess the the pilot partnerships that we deal with, um, that's going to be the 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 main pitch. Um, so for gun retailers, the the other pitch is just look at this. Um, it's an alternate. It's a continuity of business payment solution. If you all of a sudden unexpectedly become debanked. So, and I tell people, look, you're not going to get a lot of sales right out of the gate with OCC tokens. I don't I don't expect that to happen. But you have infrastructure in place now in case something happens to your business or your, you know, there's going to be more mass shootings, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to say that, but that's likely to happen. And every time there's a mass shooting, then everybody gets all political. And then all these people want a virtue signal and they start dropping people and kicking them off their platforms and taking away their merchant processing. We're going to create the infrastructure that even if that happens, you can continue operating your business. It's an insurance policy that costs you nothing and gives you free marketing to boot. Well, in the, in the gun industry, they are the ones that kind of have to be the most uh, cautious and um, kind of aggressive when it comes to regulations and, and political sure. oversight. If they're not aggressive, you know what I mean? They, they kind of get walked all over. And because of the scrutiny around the, the gun industry, they kind of I feel like this is something that they have to experiment with if they want to keep growing as you know the industry is being suppressed by political oversight. Exactly. And, you know, and it just is what it is. Now, I'm saying is the, you know, we're going to create a, our own payment gateways. We're starting with WooCommerce for the online side. Our cryptos could be used for any industry. I mean, this could be used for the pod industry or the sex worker industry. And I'm not going to oppose those opportunities if they present themselves or low hanging fruit. In fact, we got a couple other non gun related companies that are already showing interest, just friends of friends and other entrepreneurs. So, I mean, we're going to have other people outside. I mean, remember, Amazon was a book company for 10 years, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. A lot of people forget that. An I online don't. book company. An online book company. They disrupted the book industry. Here's another interesting number. You know, the, the civilian guns and ammo in this country is a $50 billion industry. Damn. So and, and it we, sounds like it's mostly cash. <laughs> no, there's a, little, there's a lot of cash, but, it, but you know, $50 billion. If we had 1% of that running through the Tusk network alone, 
we would actually be probably one of the most successful cryptos from goods and services. You know, if you look at the the amount of dollars and cents that are being used to buy goods and services, even with Bitcoin worldwide, all crypto is less than $100 million a year. I mean, it's nothing. I mean, it's it, the amount of money that's being goods and services being spent with crypto right now is is, is just small. It's just it's really, really tiny. And so if if you just picked an industry and you owned one percent of the transactions in whatever industry that is, you know, and you're going to be a top crypto from the goods and services perspective. Most of the trade volume from every coin out there is speculative transactions. It's not buying goods and services. And so those are two very different things. People are like, well, we have users. No, you have investors. Okay, and that's great that you have investors. Then they're buying and selling your 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 token. Right, but are they using it? But they're not using it. In fact, we have some. And and so I I will say that I I have some good connections with Overstock.com and Medici Ventures. I'll just leave it at that. You know, they're local to Utah, so it's a small community here with the crypto. All the I don't know if you know this, but all the major meetups meet in the Overstock headquarters. I've met uh, Dr. Patrick Bjorn, uh, I think twice twice this year. Cool dude, really humble. very guy very very humble guy um i have too in fact i interviewed him like believe it or not i interviewed him on a radio show originally like 10 years ago oh shit before, <laughs> before and I, I met him like i do i interviewed you like 10 years ago he's like oh i remember that because he was out there talking about naked short selling but so he, he's been a really great supporter of the industry so but so but overstock that my whole the whole point is overstock's one of the largest retailers in the world that accepts cryptos for goods and services and they do like 50 grand a week I mean, put that in perspective, right? You have all these companies that are that have, you know, BitPay and all this, but they don't actually. Re- a lot of them don't really release what their actual service, the, the amount of sales that are going through the networks. They don't tell you that, and there's a reason for it because they're not a lot. You know, I, I will say this: one of those crypto payments, and 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 I call this, you know, it's it's typical crypto rape, but or, um, you know, to integrate our ERC20 token to one of those networks, they wanted one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to integrate OCC tokens onto their online what? platform. And I told them to go tell I told them to go to hell. That's just stupid. Okay. Once you have ERC twenty integration set, it should cost you like take you about five minutes to set it up. So don't don't but this is what they're doing. Wow. And I'm like and with OCC tokens, I'm like, okay, so think about that, right? Like how can I ever get an ROI back on a token if I am spending hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to just be on your your payment gateway, right? As an option, I'm not even getting a dedicated gateway, right? I'm just like a drop down, <laughs> you know, 150 grand a year. Well, why do you think the payment gateways people are charging such huge fees? Is because they're not making transaction volume. They're not made. Their model should be just like Venmo or PayPal, as they take a piece of the action, right? Okay, yeah. Well, well, they're not getting any action. It's all hype. And that's the problem because there's not a lot of goods and services actually being bought with crypto. It's all speculation out there, and so. I understand that, you know, but we figure that there's probably a hundred million a year globally being bought for goods and services right now. And so if you think about if that's the actual number of adoption, right? To me, it's sales is what adoption is, right? So if you got a hundred million a year globally of all cryptos, it's a rough number, but the best number we can come up with. Um, if we get 1% of one industry that does 50 billion a year running through our network, we would, would beat that. And so to me, I'm just going to focus on one industry. And, you know, I'll give you a great example. One of um, there's a company called Black Rifle Coffee, which is based here. And I'm friends with the owner and a lot of people affiliated with Black Rifle Coffee Company. And it was a veteran owned company. And they started a niche. They've done, I don't know, close to 80, I feel 90 like I've million. I've seen their YouTube videos now that you say that. Oh, oh yeah. They got awesome videos. Now, I used to train with, I'll just say this. I, I, I'm, a, I'm really into guns and training and stuff like that. So I've trained with Evan, who's the owner. And he is a former CIA Special Forces trainer. Um, and so Black Rifle Coffee is the only coffee company that sold through gun stores. And it does a so kickback that, on sales, right, to a charity, I believe. Oh yeah, they do all sorts of stuff. They yeah, do. I, I've seen stuff. them before. It's cool. That's pretty cool. So, so think about that. So they're just selling coffee. Coffee is not unusual. Everybody sells coffee. Anybody can, you know, roast a bean. It's not that complicated. But their marketing was what different. They went to a niche. Here's the catch and catch, not catch. Um, they went to a niche. They went to a vertical and they own it. They created a vertical in a space. They've done somewhere between 70 and 100 million dollars in sales in the last four years, selling coffee through gun stores and online. 
And you know what? That's the sim- similarness that we're going after with OCC we're, or crypto or now Tusk with our crypto is that we're going to go after a niche and we're going to own it. And that's it. I don't care about the speculative price. That'll come in time. You know, I, I'm not I'm here for the long term. The good thing is we didn't do an ICO, which sucks is we don't have ICO money. That would be helpful. But, you know, people aren't seeming to spend their ICO money on marketing. So whatever. No, <laughs> Lambos and hotel rooms and escorts is what I'm seeing. Blow, yeah. Hookers and blow. OK. And, and you know what? If you had, if you have literally raised, you know, forty million dollars, and I don't see you on billboards in every country, you know, every city in the country, you're ripping your users off. You know, how much did the guy get for making the Brave browser, like forty million dollars or something, like five minutes or whatever? I'm like, you wrote Mozilla, right? Like you, and, you are and Java. <laughs> Yeah. So you really needed like you couldn't just write it over a weekend. You really needed to do a raise at all for that. It's just absurd to me. But you don't see the marketing. These 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 ICOs have not invested in marketing. Um, but the good thing is, since we didn't we didn't do an ICO, we don't have the marketing budget yet. But one of the benefits of running our own network or running our own blockchain is we're creating we're we're forking in a little different way is we're creating a transaction fee and we're creating a position called the marketing partner, um, which is unusual. So we're we are changing things a little bit and we're doing some novel stuff with governance. But having a little bit of transaction fees for the what we call the marketing partner, um, it's going to be a little treasury and all their job is is dedicated to marketing, growing the network. And so that's something that a lot of these other blockchains don't have is sustainability on top of that we have no overhead we have zero overhead we can last this we can outride this market going forward and we don't have a burn rate we structured the company it took us three months to to build the new team no Uh, burn rate at all that's weird i i I am publicly known for loving burns so uh what made you decide to go against the burn i mean burn rate from the standpoint is that we don't have monthly overhead Oh, I thought you meant like you're not. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, burning no, no, burning no. coins over time to increase supply demand. I don't like that either, actually. So, no? um, Why not? Um, so, uh, well, one, I, I think it's like this. Um, I think it's a gimmick. It doesn't add value. I think what because it just. You well, know, it's a marketing t- gimmick. That's what adds the value. Like That's well, where I'm, I'm coming from. It, well, it's a gimmick. I would say this. If you're if you're burning coins, then you didn't plan well. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. I just uh, when I say that, I look more at what like Binance is doing with theirs. Well, so what they're saying is, well, we're making this all of a sudden more scarce. Well, why don't you yeah. just make it scarce from the beginning? <laughs> it's like That's a good so point. we have a hundred billion. So we may be adjusting our supply in the swap. But that's going to apply to everybody equally. Um, and the only advantage to adjusting supply is that if you're a low price coin, it's harder to trade on Bitcoin pairs, depending on the exchange. So that to me is the only difference. But at the price we are right now, we would have to like swap our token or burn like 70% of the tokens to even get there. But here's the thing. That's a gimmick too, because there's been coins that have burned and they didn't change their they didn't or they swapped or burned and their price didn't reflect it. So that yeah. that doesn't always work in Quebec. Like Paccoin was a big one, and I own a bunch of Paccoin. <clears throat> and uh, dude, Paccoin did their swap and the price didn't change at all. And I'm like, oh well, I just lost ninety percent of my value. Well, thank you on that one. <laughs> um, Next time I run into somebody from the team, I'll let them know I ran into them before at a conference. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it is what it is. So the thing is, there's a risk with doing so. I mean, trust me. I, I mean, if you go into our Telegram, it's like, when Lambo, when burn, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's been had. That's like the daily question. And like, we're not burning coins. We did 100 billion. We, we selected our, we want, we selected a large supply from the beginning because we wanted it to be cheap so people in third world countries can own it. Here's a psychological opinion. Um, and I've said this in some of my, my um, talks about um, mass adoption is that, People aren't good with math and decimals. So when you say you're point zero 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 five oh seven whatever, you know, like that I, people I believe psychologically people don't want a, a thousandth of a bitcoin. They want a hundred bitcoins or a million bitcoins. They don't want so they don't want a, a fractional amount of something. Americans like whole somethings. So to me, when yeah, we start, getting somebody to think past two decimal points. Good it luck. doesn't work. And, and uh, dude, I'm the same way, man. Trust me. I have to go dot zero, zero, zero. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just like it's everybody else. the biggest else. turn off in crypto. But, but exactly. It's not usable. It's not human readable. And so to us, when we, we decided we want to keep the price low so people can own a bunch of something. Because I think psychologically people would rather own a bunch of something than a fraction of one thing. 
and and that was why we that's why so to do that we wanted to keep token i mean i think like a million occ tokens is like a buck or something right now i mean it, it's something silly like that um but i think you know over time you know if we get up to one cent or two cents or three cents people can you know own a bunch of them and i think if you think about it, just normal money, right? I mean, people would rather, you know, you don't want to say I got a million cents, right? People want to say I want I want a million dollars. They they don't want, you know, well, I got 300,000 cents or something. I mean, people Right, now let me see how many dollars I have. Let me whip out the calculator. Yeah. And and so that so our our supply was we thought about it a lot. Now we may reduce it a little bit. Um, in the swap, but that's going to apply to everybody's tokens equally. In fact, even when we do the swap, my tokens will personally have to go through the DAP too. So if we do a compression of any sort or a ratio swap, it's going to affect everybody equally through the network. It won't change um, the percentages that we own. It'll just change the, the number in circulation. Oh, I just got a comment. Let me know that I'll be on BTC Stacks Radio. Cool, 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 guys. I guess they got to talk with the guy ma- uh, managing my podcast. Now I'll be on their radio as well. All right, cool. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate you coming in and letting me know. Um, yeah, so I wanted to see what your thoughts are on like the supply chain side of the firearms industry, uh, from you know gun sup- manufacturer to gun wholesale to retailer to owner. Is this something that we would want to see on the blockchain? Um, I know a lot of people uh, outside of the, the the firearm industry, the the people that protest against it, they want more uh, record keeping more accountability and um you know more i I would say trustlessness you know in the firearms industry where they can verify these transactions who bought what from who who sold what to who where did it come from is this something that a blockchain can solve or is this another problem that a blockchain could produce well i don't think it's a um i'm a big fan of proliferation because i think having the right to self you know self-defense is important and um one, buying a retail gun has so many – the government has that lockdown. So to pretend like there's a problem with, like, retail gun sales being somehow anonymous, they are the least anonymous thing to buy on the planet. Um, uh, there is a startup that I saw. I'm not going to give them any – there is a blockchain company trying to track all firearms on the blockchain, and I'm actually opposed to it. I'm, I don't like the idea. I don't want people to know what guns I have because it's none of your business. Um, and I believe that you know the government, the more information the government has about their guns makes it easier for them to you know try to confiscate them, and I'm not a fan of that. So I would be opposed to that, um, though there is an anti-gun startup trying to do that. But <clears throat> really, registration equals confiscation in our world. That's a, a phrase you'll hear a lot. So I'm a big fan of proliferation. I want there to be more guns i think uh guns are a great equalizer they're a great way for people to defend themselves they're they're one of the i mean if you think about it what does a gun do a gun makes it so a woman can defend herself against a guy who's six foot ten trying to hurt her whereas if you say oh she shouldn't have a gun to do that she should use a rape whistle or she should use a a mace but even in places like jersey things like mace and stun guns are heavily regulated and and hard to carry too so it's like to me anybody i I have a red flag, or with me, a red flag goes up anytime someone wants to take away your ability to defend yourself. I don't trust those people. I don't believe they have my good intentions at heart. And so um, now that's not going to sit well with people. And I understand that. You know, then if if that offends you or you don't like that, okay, I can respect having a difference of opinion on it. Um, and maybe we're not the project for you and I'm okay with that. You know, there's other projects you can go after and invest in that maybe agrees with you more politically. Um, but I think for us, uh, I don't want there to be tracking, uh, of guns on the blockchain. I, I think that inherently will be used to, to limit freedom and limit the ability to get guns at some point. And I think it'll be abused. So I, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, they're, I mean, I'm a f- openly huge fan of cannabis, and they have made it very clear that if you're a cannabis patient, you're not going to be able to get a registered firearm in the U.S., and a lot of these states are starting to agree with that, and, you know, a- as a person who indulges recreationally, um, you know, I-, I do qualify for the, the medical, you know, card, but I-, I refuse to pay for a medical card. I'm not going to give somebody a couple thousand dollars to have their permission to smoke when I feel like I should well, smoke, well, but... You know, if you do decide to get a medical card, you can't get a firearm. Right. So- and, and, it's, and then to me, that's an egregious violation of your rights on both ends. You know, um, 
Yeah. So and in Colorado is the same way. And and to me, I, uh, I I don't know if you know this, but I actually helped write the marketing strategy for Amendment 64 um, in Colorado to oh, help. Oh really? Make, oh, I was very involved with that. Oh yeah. I I'm I'm I'm, I'm a guns and weed kind of guy when it comes to I think both are freedoms. You know, your right to use marijuana is protected by the Ninth Amendment. Remember the Ninth Amendment. Believe it or not, I think the Ninth Amendment's the most important. Um, and your right to own the means to protect yourself are protected by the Second Amendment. And so weed is a Ninth Amendment thing, in my opinion. A guns are a Second Amendment, and they're both important. But I think actually the Ninth Amendment's the most important amendment because that's where most of your freedom lies. What's the Ninth um, Amendment? I'm pretty sure I'm only really familiar with the Tenth. It's the so it's uh, basically it's the catch-all amendment. It says that any uh, basically I'm paraphrasing that any right that isn't listed in the first part of the Bill of Rights is there. Meaning that just because it's not listed specifically doesn't mean you don't have it. So your right to travel, um, your right to work, um, your right to smoke weed, your right to an abortion, believe it or not, is all protected by the Ninth Amendment. In fact, Roe versus Wade uh, cited the Ninth Amendment. Oh, okay. So. So, the, but the Ninth Amendment is the strongest amendment. It's the amendment no one talks about. So the amendment means that you have other rights besides what's articulated in the Bill of Rights. The Tenth Amendment means that states have powers that are not listed in other parts of the Constitution. But states don't have rights, only people do. In fact, the Ninth Amendment specifically states rights where um, states and people have rights that aren't listed. And the Tenth Amendment doesn't use the word rights, it uses the word powers. So there is a difference there, but I can get into the Constitution all day long. <laughs> yeah, not so much myself. I'm not the the best when it comes to the law. I sort of I go with the whole ignorance is bliss thing. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, I try not to worry about oh should I cross at this red light? I look both ways. If I use my own discretion, if it looks safe, I cross. I didn't know I was breaking a law. You know what I mean? Like these are these uh, fantasy crimes that they've imposed on us, like Ridiculous. jaywalking and you know uh, I, I got in trouble for having a THC uh, weed pen on me. I was wearing it like a necklace. I bought right. it legally in Canada with a debit card, like swiped, got a receipt and everything. Um, had it on my neck like a necklace. I, I may have overindulged and totally forgot I even had this stupid thing on me. Got mm -hmm. on an airplane, landed in Texas, immediately uh -oh. got arrested by Homeland Security. Customs came to get me and um, they fought over uh, Department of Homeland Security, Customs and local police. All were in front of me squabbling over who gets custody of the guy with the drugs. And because wow. it was a, a, a country flight out of a country into a new country flight, Homeland Security was like the winner of the rock, paper, scissors battle. Dude, it was Fun. so insane over one empty little weed vape pen. But, you know, my, my right to travel and my right to, you know, Canada and everything else was completely thrown out in that airport and um, I was extorted for $10,000 to pay for nice. my freedom back. So this conversation cost me about 10 grand plus lawyer wow. fees because I'm, sorry, I'm out okay. on bail. Yeah, no, so it, it's just the way that they try to enforce these things, you know, they don't go directly and you know, make it blatant, but they have these weird little invisible velvet ropes once you walk past all your your rights kind of feel like they go out the window and you know what we're doing with this technology is creating a a, a borderless you know uh, um, means of, of of interaction from uh, goods services currencies everything like they can't they can't take this away from us they're gonna try they but can try but it's gonna cost them so much and you know what that's why we need more of it and and to me, I'm a big believer in proliferation of everything. I think I, I would rather deal with the, what are the, what's the quote? I'd rather deal with the consequences of too much liberty than not enough. There's something to that effect. You know, I, I would rather deal with being responsible and have to deal with the fact that maybe more people have guns out there than the ability to not have guns. And then you have no control over who controls you. Because the problem with the gun control advocates out there is they don't want to get rid of their guns. You got to remember, if you're going to enforce gun bans, you're going to need guns to take the guns. And whenever you hear people saying we want light guns, they want the government to have all sorts of guns. And and that's the and that's the one thing they 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 always do when they want to sweep that little piece, that little detail under the rug. They don't want to give up their guns. They want to be able to remember these are the same people that want to tell you how to live every aspect of your life. They they want to say you know whether or not you can use cannabis. And 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 I'm not, I'm not a Republican just for the record. I'm not a Republican. Um, but you know it's but the Democrats are just as bad telling you you know how you should think and and you know who should get what and how how your money should be spent and how much money should be taken from you. And and so to me I, you know I don't want those people. 
people do be, have the only means of power to defend themselves or yeah. enforce their laws and rules. Well, I want enforcing people, it, man. Yeah. Look what they do with the Freedom Act. You can't even protest anymore. I think a group of like 50 people is like a terrorist act or something or even trying to organize a protest makes you a terrorist. You gotta like, get your permit. What? Yeah, buy, you have to pay for your right to protest something you disagree with and then get told you, there's too many people. You have to, you know, disassemble. And because the people that came in later that the, the government probably paid to come in and, and be the, the rowdier side, like, you know what I mean? Like, every time you see a protest go, like, I, I'm not a tinfoil hat wearer, but I do, like, I do agree with a lot of what they say is, like, you see some of these protests going fine peacefully they're getting their point across and then out of nowhere a group of people start throwing bottles at the cops with black masks on yeah and, yeah and, i wonder and they all where the they same, came and they have, from and, and they all have the same pair of combat boots that yeah. match each other like duty boots <laughs> yeah like, so i see these oh. people coming to crypto though right like i'm worried about them sprinkling these you know that like that sprinkling crack on vitalik and other people like you know that are in this space by trying to demonize the uh the people that we look up to you know what I think they're going to do? I, I think this is what how they're going to take down the DEXs. I think they're going to say this is what they're going to do. At some point, they're going to trace some funding to some mass shooting or some terrorist bombing, 100%. some de decentralized exchange, and now they're a terrorist organization. you got to remember, though, you know, all this AMI, AML, KYC stuff came out of the Patriot Act. I think people keep forgetting that piece the Patriot Act, the, the the law that gives the government to rendition you to Guantanamo Bay for without you know any kind of due process, so they're pretty serious about this stuff. And and I think you know I hope that things like the BIS network and other anonymous decentralized exchanges that are not controlled by like IDEX or any of these other groups that are controlled by you know people that pick winners and losers. Well, they're already um, going after DEXs left and right. They've arrested uh, creators of DEX already. Right. I mean, you look at what happened with the guy who did the original either Delta. I mean, yeah. it, it's going to happen. But but the problem is these guys put themselves out there. <laughs> so it's well, that's like, why I'm bringing this up, man. Here's the, the grand finale of why I started this whole spiel is you are putting yourself out there. You're trying to build a solution to a problem that wouldn't be a problem if the government didn't want it to be. So the great, that, that's a problem the great for thing you. Is our, but the, our network is still a completely 100 percent decentralized blockchain. So even if I could take it out, the network still operates. Okay. So, so try to shut, up, shut down Bitcoin. We're, we're setting it up. Um, even though we have, we're, you know, creating this, this, uh, the one thing about we're doing a novel governance thing, and I know we don't got a lot of time left, but we got we're doing a novel governance thing. Like we're doing this thing um, called a marketing partner that shares part of the transaction fee. And here's the cool thing about it. Um, so that's essentially doing what I'm doing now <laughs> all for free, but we're going to have funding because I'm the only one spending money on this project. But one of the things that it does is that it has term limits. So our marketing partner is kind of like an HO, like imagine if an HOA hired a management company and then the contract comes up for automatic renewal after the first term every three years. Um, so we're creating this piece that so the marketing partner will sh you know have some resources to to market and grow the network, but that has no but that doesn't have any power over the code base. The code base is still voted on just like any delegated proof of stake, and the marketing partner can be fired at any time. It can be voted out, but it has automatic term limits. So um, you know that has to come up for a vote of confidence whether or not they want to be retained or not. So that's the one thing we're doing that no other DPoS uh, chain has. So a very political Dow. You think so? Yeah, I kind of like it. I like I like what you're saying. I mean, it makes sense though. You you don't want people to be voted into place forever, and you know, like like you want people to keep earning their keep. Otherwise, they get complacent. Exactly. And on top of that, the one thing we don't have is the marketing partner. And this is the thing where I think like Dash missed the boat and a lot of these other companies that have treasuries is that they're, there's like management they, they have micromanaged every decision. So you don't have really cohesive marketing. Everything's put to a vote and that's yeah. insanity. And I don't think it's effective. So the marketing partner will be able to run independently the way it's going to do it. I mean, they're going to market the way and, and Again, I'm we're going to be the first, I'm setting up a company that'll be the first marketing partner, um, but I'm do I'm going to keep doing what I do anyway. So I mean, it's just we're going to have the resources to do it right, um, but we're not going to be fueled and you know full of bureaucracy and management by committee, which I think doesn't. It's just not an effective way to market. Um, I'd put a really good management team over management by committee any day of the week for effectiveness, um, but we're still accountable to the network 
for being effective. And we're going to have, we're going to, you know, have, you know, reports about what we're doing and things like that. So we're still accountable to the network and the network can decide yay or nay. And so, but we're still free to do what we need to do and what we're good at and passionate about without having to, you know, lobby every time we want to spend 50 bucks or, you know, do something. Um, so, but that's, there's no other DPOS blockchain that does it that way. So we're kind of unique that way. And trust me, the governance piece, like, you know, launching a token's not complicated. Launching a blockchain and trying to sort out the governance stuff, that's complicated. Um, and so we've been spending a lot of time on that. I mean, we, we've spent a month just trying to, with the whole development team, every week we're having meetings just trying to figure out, well, what if we do this? How do we do this? How do we prevent this from being gamed? How do we prevent this from centralizing too much power? Right. There's a, there's a lot to it, um, but it's been fun and I'm excited. Yeah, man, I'm excited to keep an eye out on Tusca, T-U-S-C, everybody. Uh, if you want to go ahead and you can get your hands on some uh, OCC, which will right. be able to be swapped for Tusk once they launch their blockchain. Cool. Dude, Rob, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, wanted to get your elevator pitch before I let you go. What is your elevator pitch for Tusk? Um, sitting, right. I'm your Uber driver. I'm taking you to a meeting, and I see your shirt, and I'm like, what's that? Well, we are we're just a blockchain technology that is help facilitate payments and for the gun and tactical industries. Um, the main difference about us is we're a continuity of operations uh, crypto solution for that industry. So we can help prevent um, gun stores from going down. If they get debanked unexpectedly, they'll have a backup you know, plan that's based outside of dollars. All right, Rob McNeely, everybody, original crypto coin, now Tusk, T-U-S-C. The links are all in the description box below. Uh, let them know, I guess, verbally where they can find you and all your available links, websites, and all that. Sure. Um, you can find me personally. Just type in Rob McNeely anywhere, and robmcneely.com is where my podcast is. Um, and then original crypto coin or the new website and is going to be tusk.network. All right, guys, all that's in the description box. If you're checking out this podcast, please go ahead and pound that thumbs up button. If you have any questions or comments, comment section is open. Don't forget to click subscribe and flick the alert bell. It's right next to subscribe. You'll get a notification every time I go live. I'll be doing one of these every day. Thank you, Rob McNeely from Original Crypto Coin or now Tusk. Have a day, bro, bro. Thanks, man. Look good talking with you.